Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. My name is John Neves, one of the two guests, uh, two hosts on the show. And I want to welcome back a good friend of mine, Steve Torres. How are you, Steve? Hello, sir. How are you? Not bad. I'm, uh, I haven't done this in a while. Um, just apologize for not being more consistent, but the holidays and then life and the holidays and then life and... But I'm glad to be back at it. Um, got a lot of stuff going on in uh, Portugal, particularly with uh, the results on Friday with Benfica going up seven points. And, of course, the big news is uh, Bruno Fernandes coming or going to Manchester United. And we'll also talk about this week's action, the League Cup. Uh, before I get going, anything you want to talk about first, Steve? Sure. Well, once again, thanks for having me on your program again. Uh, but, yeah, let's continue what we kind of left off last time. Um, we were talking about, uh, somehow you're saying it's my favorite team, but I guess it's everybody's favorite team because they seem to be a good Cinderella story. Um, and that's Familia Con. And I believe they're still in third place, if that, I'm not mistaken, in the, in the league tables and, uh, having well, four, four draws and four losses, uh, that's 31 points there. Well, let me just say that. First off, I love the way you say their name. I just <laughs> want to tell you that right now. Um, since we last spoke uh, within the league, they've gone into a bit of a slump. Um, I think at one point they were eight or nine points up on sporting, and now I think it's only two points. So my prediction that when the death settles and this 2019-20 season is finished, that we will continue to see the obvious normal, and that's Benfica and Porto in first or second place. Sporting most likely will finish third, although I think Braga will have a lot to say about it. And then you'll see Guimarães. So I don't think that nothing has changed. But um, I do think it's very exciting to see them still in the hunt. I know um, they're still involved. Um, well, let's put it this way. They're very good because George Menz got involved, which is the Portuguese super agent. And um, so far, at least based on what I've seen, they haven't lost any of their best players yet here in the transfer window. And I think it's a good story. But again, Steve, it's not going to last very long. I wouldn't be surprised sometimes in the next two weeks if uh, eventually sporting overtakes them because sporting is having an awful season. And yet they're only like two points behind Familiar Com. Listen, I get all of that. I mean, I don't like to play devil's advocate too much, but I mean, the team in third place. It's been a while. I don't want to go back to our last conversation that was the last time that team was in the first division, but they're back and they're making some noise and they're enjoying their time there. I mean, if it's a flavor of the month, so be it. But no, I think, uh, like I said, I think they're having a great first half of the season, but I think now they're starting to become normal. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Liga later, especially with Benfica having a seven-point lead and whether or not that's going to hold and if Porto is out of the running. Um, but uh, I want you to hit me now with the, really the next biggest topic we're going to talk about, and, of course, that's Bruno. Oh, yeah. What's the story with uh, Bruno Fernandez's transfer to United? What happened? Did it happen yet, or what? what's the story on that? Well, well. You know, last summer, um, Tottenham was the story. 
they had made a trip to Lisbon to try to uh, convince Sporting to uh, sell him. But uh, basically, uh, you know, Sporting needs money. They want a certain amount of money on the front end. And Tottenham apparently was very heavy on the bonus end. And therefore, the deal never happened. And then in the EPL, the transfer deadline is a lot earlier than the rest of Europe. Uh, you know, I like the idea of, you know, not having to transfer players once the season starts. I think to me, that's a lot of common sense. But in a culture like Portugal, where selling players is part of your economic well-being, um, you know, that's not going to happen. Um, but they did that in England and then it went quiet. And now here we are, another transfer window. And the big story now is Manchester United. And there's really two things for me to talk about. First has been, why has it happened? And the second has been all the media speculation around it. And to start about why it hasn't happened yet, I mean, from everything that I have read or you have read or really anybody has read, uh, it seems like Sporting is asking for 60 to 70 million plus about a 10, you know, again, depending on what you read in bonuses, um, Manchester United has come back. They're looking to spend about 50 or 60. And that includes uh, bonuses, some of which sporting find to be very unrealistic. And as a result, um, you know, there's no deal when everyone's been predicting a deal. And there was a terrific article that's, uh, that was tweeted out on the, uh, you know, the Twitter account, Portuguese soccer Twitter account. Um, and that was talking about from ESPN FC, which uh, I think does a great job covering soccer or football, depending on what part of the world you call the sport. And they did something really that I enjoyed a lot. And they kind of gave it from the Manchester United perspective. You know, why is Manchester United not willing to pay what sporting wants? And if you read this article, and again, you can find it on the timeline. And, and I don't know what people outside of North America think of ESPN, whether or not that has carries the same weight as, let's say, the newspapers um, in Europe. But, you know, they brought up a very good point that um, Manchester is taking a stand on paying inflated uh, transfer prices. Um, you know, they talked about how Manchester City is what they are because they have paid inflated prices and they're having a lot of success. But the Glazers and Woodward is not going there. And they feel that next summer when they go out and buy players, that if they spend too much on Bruno now, that'll put them in a tougher position next summer because the players are going after next summer. Those teams are going to want um, a lot of money as well. So Manchester's kind of taking the stand of, look, we're going to you know dig in our heels. We're not going to you know, uh, pay 70, 80 million euros. And you know, we just don't believe that Bruno is worth that type of money. And Sporting, meanwhile, feels that, you know, he's one of the best players in Portugal. He is, um, you know, if, if Sporting did not have Bruno Fernandes these last two years, <laughs> Sporting is not having a very good season. You could only imagine how much worse things would be. Um, but Sporting wants the big money, just like Benfica gets the good money on their players. They seem to have a lot more success selling players. Porto has had some success selling players. And Sporting wants that big money. And right now, um, they're not getting it. And as a result, the uh, the sides are far apart. Um, and then also, what's not helping, even though there was a report last night that Manchester City was going to make a $100 million offer next summer for Bruno. But of course, that came from the tabloid Correio de Minha. So I don't know how many Portuguese people put stock into that. Um, you know, it's, it's just nothing's happening. And Bruno 
you know, of all the players that have been sold in Portugal and have moved on to play in bigger leagues, um, a lot of them have been sold for prices well above their value. And, you know, some of them have done very well in Europe. Some of them have flopped. Bruno has already played in the Serie A. He comes to Portugal, sets the record uh, in Europe for high-scoring midfielder, kind of proves that he could take a team on his shoulder and keep them alive somewhat. And yet, for some reason, Manchester doesn't believe he's worth that amount of money. And um, it's just a very, it's just a very, very unfortunate situation. And I don't know, Steve, what you've read about it, but that's just kind of been my opinion. It just doesn't seem like Manchester United believes he's worth that amount of money. And they need us, you know, the fan base to get excited again. And based on all the attention that Bruno Fernandes has gotten, his, his social media has blown up of followers. Um, it would seem like this would calm people down, but it doesn't appear right now like there's going to be any deal anytime soon. Do you really think it's it is going to happen or is it not going to happen? I think what's going to happen is, well, let me just say, well, let me just say this, because uh, then I want to talk about the media. I have a feeling last day of the transfer window, 11 o'clock at night, hopefully they don't do like what uh, Lester did a few years ago with Adrian when they submitted the paperwork and they missed the deadline by 30 seconds and it never happened. That really, by the way, did happen. Um, but I think it's going to go down to the wire. Um, I think that sporting needs this money. Um, I think they're trying to prepare for life without Bruno and they need that money uh, not only to help pay the bills because they are having a few financial difficulties, but it also enables them to restock and get some reinforcements into the team. So I think when all is said and done, Yes, I think it eventually is going to happen. When it's going to happen, I don't know. And I think Manchester, you know, I know they just lost to Liverpool, which, by the way, is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, you know, but, um, you know, if they continue to struggle and, and if they continue to frustrate their fan base, then they may have no choice. And I'll tell you what it's going to be like. You ever watch the show Million Dollar Listing? But I don't know if you've ever seen that that real estate show. Yeah, yeah, a couple of times. It's a kind of a show where these these brokers sell these. Uh, and, and by the way, folks, I am making an analogy here. There's they're selling like ten million dollar townhouses, and they meet with the owner of the house, and the owner of the house says, "Well, my house is worth twelve million." And they say, "Well, based on the recent prices that houses have been sold, your house is really only worth ten million. So let's go onto the market with ten million. Then they have an open house, and they bring in a bunch of brokers and potential people that want to buy the house. And then they get their first offer, and it's like for seven and a half million. And then the brokers are all offended. Are you kidding me? You're coming below our asking price? We're offended. But legally, they still have to go to the people that want to sell and tell them. And then the people that selling the house gets angry at them. Well, long story short, at the end of the day, they eventually meet halfway. The brokers get their fee, people that get sort of their money, and the people that buy the house wind up paying a little bit more, but they get the money. So I think that's what's going to happen. I think eventually they're going to meet halfway. But if it doesn't happen and Bruno Fernandez is still playing for sporting in the month of February, um, I think there's going to be a lot of fans upset because uh, while they'll be happy that Bruno is on the team, I think everyone realizes that you know when you follow a team in Portugal, the team finances are followed as well. And I think fans will be upset that um, they've dragged Bruno along and nothing has happened. And they'll be more upset that they didn't bring any reinforcements. So I think that's what's going to happen. Um, and we'll see. We'll see if that's the case. 
you mentioned earlier about Benfica. They got a seven-point lead currently on the table. I mean, you can't say that the race is over because it's midway through the season. What do you think? Well, let me just say this. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Before we, we talk about uh, my opinions on the league and, and the race, I wanted to make one comment uh, going back to Bruno about the media. And one of the things that I want to talk about is, um, you know, again, last summer, because the transfer window closed early in the EPL, um, there wasn't, there was a lot of attention for Bruno for about three weeks and then it died. And now it started up again. And being that it's Manchester United, this big club, um, whereas last summer it seemed all the reports were coming from Portugal, now a lot more of the reports are coming from England. Um, a lot of them are relying on TVI 24 which is a, a TV station that has a good pundit show with a, uh, what I think is a fantastic guy that predicts the market, a guy named Braj. Um, and then um, you, of course, have the newspapers every night with the newspaper covers that come out with the latest news. Um, but one of the things that's been interesting about this Bruno thing is there have been so many stories in England about there being a near deal. Uh, some of the biggest names in England who I think uh, have a lot of credibility with the fan media and with the fans um, are basically even coming out. I've heard about it on podcasts. I've heard about it on YouTube. I've heard about it on the internet, you know, and at the end of the day, nothing has happened. And in Portugal, who I think is probably, you know, done a better job of being a little bit more restrained, even though some of them are predicting that a deal is going to happen. They're not as heavy as reporting in England. And I have to tell you, um, today there was a report, um, and the exclusive report was that they're confident they're going to get a deal done. Last week, the report was there is a deal was going to get done, and Bruno wasn't going to play in the derby. No, that never happened. So I have to say, just regarding the media part, that there has been so much speculation. There's been so many people jumping the gun before anything has happened. Um, and they have, I think, tired out the Manchester United fans as well as the sporting fans because now this has been dragging. And I think there's about two weeks left as of we record this podcast in the transfer window. So this is going to continue. So it has just been very, very frustrating um, to see some of these reports out of England, uh, knowing that I don't think there's a lot of truth to them. And, you know, you still have to report where they're coming from. But um, I, I you know, we've had William Carvalho before he left Portugal. He, over the years, was the subject of a lot of interest. Nico Gaetan from Benfica was rumored for a very long time with a lot of stories going to Manchester United. Uh, obviously, those players did not go to the EPL. They wound up going to play uh, for different clubs, both going to Spain. But the amount of BS that's been reported on Bruno, and I'm not going to say what BS means because I want to run a decent podcast here, has been incredible. And, um, you know, last night, Creu de Minha, which is the number one newspaper in Portugal, they also have the number one TV station, based on what I read, put out a report that Manchester City was going to make a $100 million euro offer for Bruno next summer. And a lot of people in England ran with the story without realizing that they can be very tabloid. Now, there's probably the truth that Manchester did probably ask um, you know, about what's going on. And maybe they did ask what was the exact price that was Sporting was looking for because they want to get it from the source. They don't want to read it in the newspapers. Maybe that part is true. 
but um, it just keeps going on and it just keeps going on. And then Bruno does deserve like Silas, the manager said, to be playing in the best league in the world. And I think he's going to do a great job if he does wind up going to Manchester United. But in Portugal, players do not spend 10 years playing, um, at least young Portuguese players, do not spend many years playing in Portugal for the same team. They eventually get sold. They eventually get loaned out with the buyout option. And I'm hoping, I'm rooting for Bruno Fernandes. Um you know, that he eventually does get to the big time of the EPL because that's also good for Portugal and the national team to see him playing at a higher level. And I think that's good for everybody. By the way, would you like to see him get transferred or you'd rather keep him in Portugal? I think it would be best for him to be transferred. I mean, the key thing is for, I mean, for a player in any country is that they have to show their abilities overseas. What's the point of staying in, you know, the, in the domestic league? I'm just speaking in general. So, of course, you know, he's, he should get the transfer. If he has the opportunity, he should go go for it. Yeah, no, I hope he does. Um, I'm just getting really tired of um, a lot of people talking about it. And it, it just it really is about time that it happens. Uh, but right now, uh, we're basically doing this podcast on the eve of the League Cup, which starts tomorrow with uh, – Sporting playing Braga, a very improved Braga, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, and uh, he is in the roster, and he is going to be in the starting 11. Um, and like I said, it, it just I, I think it's going to go down to the wire. Um, what I hope doesn't happen is, is when Bruno does get to United, if that happens, that you know the weight of the world isn't put on his shoulder and he's expected to solve all the problems because there's already starting to get some weariness with Juan Felix at Atletico Madrid. Um, Polo Frutra had to come out last week and defend them to the Spanish press. And, um, you know, Portuguese players are a piece of the puzzle that can make your team great, like Bernardo Silva does at City. I don't think they're necessarily, you know, he's going to carry the team like they did at Sporting. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, but hey, go again. Hit me with the question again about the uh, Liga that you were asking before. Sure. I mean, with Benfica having a seven-point lead, do you think the race is over? Even though we're only – midway through the season. And again, you know, you got teams behind them. So they can't just, you know, I don't think it's too early to be running away with it. Yeah, they're going to win it all. Well, February the 8th is the next big match. It's uh, when uh, it's when uh, Porto hosts Benfica. And, you know, there's still a few matches to be played before we get to that Sunday, uh, February the 8th. But if things stay the way they are, and it's a seven-point lead, and Benfica goes into Stadio do Dragon um, and beats them and makes it a ten-point game, then I think, um, you know, mathematically you could say that it's still possible. But I think we all know in Portugal that it's you know real unrealistic to expect them to overcome a ten-point lead, um, in my opinion, at least. Um, but if they manage to cut the lead to four points, and by the way, they need the three points in that game. A tie doesn't help them. Um, then I think it resuscitates some hope for the uh, Porto fans. Uh, Porto has beaten Sporting at Sporting, and they've beaten Benfica at Benfica. So one would think that they have uh, very good chances. But um, if if Benfica takes any points, um, I think it's just going to make it harder for uh, Porto. And, and look, Steve, Portugal, it's a two-horse race. Uh, Benfica, uh, Sporting is something like 19 points away. Uh, Braga is not going to catch up to them. Familia Cone, your team is not going to catch up to them. Um, 
Why are you and, not going to go early? I mean, come on. It's just midway through the season. Yeah, but it's just, you know, in Portugal, um, you know, in the EPL, because of how hard the league is, um, you know, you can go into the EPL and you can play a bunch of teams over the course of three to four weeks that could basically take points away from you. Um, but in Portugal, when you're a team like Benfica, when you're a team like Porto, um, realistically, the teams that have the toughest uh, that you have the toughest time against are usually the big teams like Sporting and Braga and Guimarães. Uh, case in point, Braga took points away from Porto in the last match day. So I, I just I think February the eighth is the D day. I think if uh, Benfica wins, um, I think um, pretty much Porto then is only playing. Uh, to go into the Champions League qualifiers next summer. And then I think if you're Benfica, uh, and this is important to mention, um, if you're Benfica and somehow now you've managed to get a 10-point lead, now you can go into the Europa League, you know, because you've got this cushion of a lead. You know, Portuguese teams, Steve, have a reputation in the spring of not necessarily fielding their best lineups. Uh, I remember hearing this criticism last year, not so much with Porto, but with Benfica. And if Benfica has an opportunity to go into the Europa League, um, you know, and play with the 10 point lead in the league, um, or even let's say, depending on what happens, eight or nine points, um, then maybe we're going to probably maybe see Benfica really start to field a very tough lineup. Um, and maybe try to take it, uh, in my opinion, at least, you know, the Europa League a little bit more serious in terms of really going out there and and putting out your best players. And you know, this has been a, a discussion that many Benfica's have fans have had over the years. So February the eighth, circle the calendar. Um, that's pretty much uh, the big game. Uh, remember, next year in Portugal, the champion goes directly to the Champions League group stage. That's about 40 million euros waiting for them. The second place team has to play a few preliminary rounds. Um, it's not until the following summer, um, based on the way things stand now, that you would see Portuguese teams get two teams automatically in the Champions League with the third place team playing uh, the preliminaries uh, during the summer. But that won't be the case. So, um, And look, it's, it's, it's everyone knew that Benfica and Porto we're going to be the two teams at the end of the day standing uh, the longest to try to win the title. So I don't think that's a surprise. I think most, some people expected sporting to be a little bit more competitive, uh, but that hasn't really been happen. Uh, Familia Cone, <laughs> again, a great story. Um, I think if they make it to the Europa league this year and they qualify for next year, I think, uh, you know, that'll be pretty exciting. Um, I believe the way it works now, they have a shot because, there's four teams left in the Taça de Portugal. Um, if Benfica and Porto win um, the Portuguese Cup, the Taça de Portugal, then the third place, I believe it's the third place team that gets the automatic spot into the Europa group stages. So if you're uh, familiar Com, you have a chance to play for third place get into the Europa group stage directly without having to play those expensive. Because when I say expensive, it seems like Portuguese teams are always playing in East, uh, all the way out in Russia during the summer. And for a lot of these Portuguese clubs, that's very expensive. Um, I remember Pastors de Ferreira a few years ago um, were complaining about having to go to Eastern Europe and how much money that cost them. Um, so, you know, if you're familiar Kong or you're sporting, you're playing for that third place because I don't see Benfica and Oporto losing the semifinals uh, that are coming up. Um, 
I just uh, I don't see it. I, and I don't think Familia Kong is going to win the Tasa de Portugal. And uh, that makes it even more important for them to finish third. But, you know, that's my opinion. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But um, it's been, uh, like I said, I think everything is, is with the exception of Familia Kong, and maybe the fact that Braga is not the team that everybody thought there was, but we'll see now with Ruben Amarin what he's doing. Um, it just doesn't seem it seems like everything has gone according to plan. There just there really isn't a lot of surprises in Portugal. You could probably also say Obs is a surprise because they're doing as badly as they are. Uh, but I, I think other than that, there's not really much else to say. Of course there's a lot more to say. This is a Cinderella team. I mean, this is a team that last season wasn't, you know wasn't in the first division. Now, thanks to promotion and relegation, if we want to go into that, are in the first division. And now look at them. They're in third place. How can you not be a fan of this team? I am. I just don't think they're going to stick around very long. But, you know, like I said, we'll uh, we'll find out. We'll we'll find out. What's, uh, what's the next topic? <laughs> sure thing. So, I mean, well, what are your thoughts on the Liga Cup now that's coming up? I mean, you just mentioned about it earlier. Yeah, so, well, first off, let me say I like um, – I know a lot of people that don't like the League Cup. I like it because it's basically more um, – you know, it's more football, more soccer, again, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Um, there was a rumor this year. Um, I think it was on TVI 24, TVI 24, uh, ironically in the same show that I complimented earlier in this podcast about how sometimes they've gotten the stories right, um, that this might be the last year of the League Cup. Um, and I really hope that that's not the case because um, I think, first off, it's nice to have the ability to win a trophy at the end of January. And last year, we had the top four teams in the league playing in the League Cup. Um, and now this year, um, we obviously have uh, only Porto and uh, Benfica. And then, of course, um, uh, we have Braga and Vitoria Guimarães. So you could kind of say two of the I guess top six, uh, you know, four of the top six teams in Portugal are playing in it. But um, I think for, as far as the first game goes, I think the way Braga is playing, uh, Ruben, Ruben Amarin, um, he's been a manager, uh, played for Benfica, was on the World Cup roster in Brazil. Um, and he's basically done a tremendous job. Um, and of course, he managed the team Braga last Friday to defeating uh, Porto and uh, denting their title hopes. Um, and now, of course, they're playing Sporting, um, and of course, uh, Sporting—you know—coming off the home loss to Benfica. Um, you know, this is a good game. You know, this is going to be a good game. Um, I would say right now, you really can't say that Sporting is any more favored than Braga. Um, I'm not going to make a prediction, um, but I will say that I think it's it's a really good first game to kick off the week. Um, I think the second game, Porto and Guimarães, um, I think you're going to see a lot. A lot of people don't know, but one of the most fiercely uh, supported clubs in Portugal is Vitoria Guimarães. Um, Braga is not too far away, as everybody knows from Guimarães. I think you're going to see um, a lot of uh, a lot of Guimarães fans go. Um, Porto has never won the League Cup competition. And don't think that when they're reminded of that by Benfica and Sporting, um, you know, this is a trophy that a lot of players have said needs to go into the Porto Museum. Um, so I think Porto is going to really take uh, this seriously on Wednesday night. So I, the fact that there are two very good games this week, 
is part of the reason why I like the League Cup. And, you know, a lot of people have complained because we had something like three weeks off, weekends off without any Liga games in um, October. We had two weekends of no Liga games in November. Part of that was the international playing uh, time. We had uh, this break for the holidays, of course, where this year the clubs decided one weekend not to play. So as far as I'm concerned, the more opportunities we have to see our teams play, especially the younger players, I think it's a, you know, a very good idea. So I like this competition. I really hope that the rumor from earlier this year is not true. Um, this is the last year of the competition in Braga. Um, afterwards, uh, you know, like they're going to basically um, decide to move it elsewhere. Someone's going to bid on it. I wouldn't be surprised if they go back to Algarve or if one of the um, what they call in Portugal the White Elephant Stadiums, the ones that were built for Euro 2004 but don't get a lot of usage, you know, probably one of those stadiums will uh, get these games. So I'm looking forward to it. It's just too bad that when the games are on, it's the middle of the afternoon and we're at work. Um, whereas people in Europe, of course, that's their dinner time and they get to watch the game. But, uh, you know, us North Americans, uh, we're kind of used to this, you know, Americans and Canadians. So I'm looking forward to, to the games. I wish RTP was broadcasting it, but um, they're not. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. I think it should be, uh, you know, should be pretty good. Uh, well, let me ask you a question. I mean, you follower of soccer. There are a lot of countries that have the League Cup. Do you think the League Cup is a good competition? Of course. I mean, it's... Uh, it's actually sometimes treated more importantly than than the actual league, you know, the first division uh, championships in some of the countries. Um, sometimes it's even an example being the uh, U.S. Open Cup here in the United States. It's an older competition compared to the MLS Cup, so it's an important competition, and and it should always be you know treated with a lot of uh, respect and because it's an opportunity for the clubs to add another trophy to their respective case. Um, let me ask you this. Um, who do you think might make the final on January 25th? Well, I think, right. Well, on paper, everybody would probably pick the bigger teams to win, but I'm asking um, you. <laughs> right, right. Well, I think for me, you know, I, I think Braga tomorrow um, they're on a bit of a roll. They're coming off the win in Porto. In Portugal, Steve, yes. when you win a game at one of the big three stadiums, that's a very big deal. That is a very big deal. And right now, I think Braga is really, um, you know, they're motivated. Um, you know, I know they're going to be playing uh, the Rangers in the Europa League. And I can tell you right now, if I'm a Rangers fan, I cannot be happy to know that the team you're playing just went to Porto who the Rangers played Porto in the group stages of the Europa and seeing Braga win. So I think Braga right now has a lot of momentum. Sporting, um, you know, they uh, they don't do very well in the league, but they seem to do very well in other competitions, uh, particularly with the Taça de Portugal, and they've won the last two league cups. So they kind of have that going for them, their history of doing well in the other competitions, so to speak. Um but I guess if it, I guess if you had to pick the two based on things right now, I still think Sporting squeaks by. Um, I think Imaranj puts up a good fight against Porto, but I think at the end of the day, Porto is Porto. Um, you know, <laughs> at, you know, even though right now they're not going through a good period because people are still upset about the loss last week, they need they want to win this competition. 
And they want to basically get rid of the asterisk in Portugal that they haven't won this competition. So that's kind of why I see, um, I think I'll see, I think we'll see another Porto sporting final, which by the way, is the, is the dream of people that organize the league cup is to have two of the three big teams in it. It makes for a great match to watch on uh, Saturday night. Um, and of course, if Bruno plays, it, it tracks a large audience like the Derby did um, this past Friday night. So I'm predicting right now. Uh, and by the way, when you when you do Portuguese, Steve, and you side with the team, people accuse you of liking that team. And then the yeah. people that you picked against unfollow you. You know, that's like part of the culture in Portugal. People just don't believe in objectivity. Um, and sometimes there's reason for that. But um, I think sometimes it's it's just plain silly. Uh, but again, I've, I've seen some things sometimes that make you wonder. So I'm expecting a Sporting Porto final. Um, sporting uh, seems to be able to do the job when the games are tied. They go straight to PKs. And that seems to be a... Um, big problem for Porto in some competitions, their ability not to be so successful uh, with the shootout, the PKs. Um, but we'll see. I, I think uh, right now maybe you say that sporting, because this is one of the few things they have left to play for. Uh, but I don't know. I, I honestly don't have a prediction. But if I'm, but if you're going to put me up against the wall and you're going to tell me that you want my prediction, um, yeah. I think sporting is going to probably win it again. Um, I think it'll be in regulation. And... Um, you know that'll be my prediction, but you know what? If Porto wins, they get the uh, they get the uh, you know the the elephant off their back, so to speak, and and that'll be a good result for them. But either way, I would love to see um, a Sporting Porto final. I think that would uh, really be good for the uh, you know the Europa comp for the League Cup competition. It's funny you say about Sporting. Uh, just shifting gears a little bit. Um, wasn't didn't wasn't Sporting. A defending champion of a domestic cup, and they were eliminated by a third division side. Yeah, they uh, they lost to a third division team called Alverca. Yeah, and um, you know it's that not was a competition. No, but let me tell you something about the third division clubs. First off, they have to play at. Uh, if I recall correctly, this round in Portugal, I think it's in the third round. If I recall correctly, yeah. when when they do the draw. The higher seeded team or the higher level team has mm -hmm. to always go to the lower level team. So they had to go to Alverca. And Alverca has a long history. You know, they were in the Division One many years ago. The president of Benfica, Luis Felipe Vieira, uh, if I recall correctly, was the president uh, during their time. Um, of course, Alverca is kind of known for uh, the player that they were able to have, Mantores, who eventually went to Benfica. But um, yeah, they lost to Alverca, and Alverca played the games of their lives, which is usually what happens in the um, in these competitions. Uh, you know, they call the Festa the Taça de Portugal when these big clubs have to go to these small clubs and play in their own pitch and their own small stadiums. And um, they lost. I mean, they were embarrassed that night. Um, if I recall correctly, Bruno Fernandes came on as a sub in the second half. And um, look, it's you no, know, it happens everywhere. Um, I'm not sure if it happens a lot in the U S with the U S open cup. So many of these U S L teams beating MLS teams. Um, but it does happen in Portugal. And I think this year, um, they were like, I think six, seven, or maybe eight teams were eliminated in that round, uh, first division team. So anything could happen, but, um, yeah, I mean that, that does happen, but, uh, you know, like I said, sporting has had a lot of success in what we call these 
other competitions, uh, that being the League Cup and the Tasa de Portugal. Tasa de Portugal, by the way, I think is, is a much bigger competition than the League Cup, but uh, they certainly have had their, their some successes in that in recent years, but uh, they just don't seem to have any success in the league, and uh, you know they have a, they wasted another year. Well, you know what? I'm going to be focusing on that tournament because I'm I'm loving the pairings in the semifinals right now. Benfica. Yeah. And who are they playing in the semis? Well, they're playing your team, Familiar Kong, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and by the way, um, I think they released the times, and I'm glad that there's no cup times at 21:15 at night. Um, you know, I, I don't know any any, any soccer game um, in most countries that starts after nine o'clock at night, 2100 hours for those that follow that system you know, over the world. Um, but uh, yeah, and and um, yeah, I mean, I, and like I said, it's it's a two leg comp, it's two legs uh, that does the Portugal, so we'll see. But I Benfica right now is a um, is a train that is uh, just playing very well. And Rafa comes off the bench and, you know, he's injured. And then, you know, he comes, he comes back. And what does he do? He scores two goals, you know, as a second half sub. There, there's just so much going on with Benfica right now that uh, over the course of two legs, uh, maybe if Familia Kong hosted Benfica, you know, one leg, you know, one off, then maybe I think Familia Kong has a chance, but uh I think over the course of two legs, uh, I think the better teams are going to win. And that's why I think you'll see, which, by the way, again, would be fun to see two of the big three, Porto and Benfica, playing in Jamor in May for the uh, Portuguese Cup. And I think that would be a lot of fun. Well, I'm going to be watching it very closely. I think the legs are February 4th and 11th, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, which is good, too. I, I, I like the idea of, uh, you know, the more, uh, well, obviously we get to see more football midweek and I think that's a pretty good idea. And then we got the Europa league. So I think it's going to be, like I said, it's going to a busy time coming up in the next month or so. Um, you know, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, these, uh, these, that the, uh, the bigger teams take care of business and, you know, it's always about, uh, the Portuguese team selling their players, the Portuguese league getting more interest, the Portuguese league getting higher TV ratings. Um, and you want nothing but good stuff to happen uh, to the Liga. And, uh, you know, we'll see. League Cup tomorrow, uh, back to Liga this weekend, uh, Taça de Portugal. Then we got Europa League. Portugal needs to continue to build on their coefficients. So we got a pretty busy um, four to six weeks coming up. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of uh, soccer, football. Yes. <laughs> yeah, be careful saying soccer because uh, some people uh, will be offended by that. Well, that's why I said football afterwards. <laughs> yeah, you'd be uh, surprised. Uh, Steve-O, before we go, we're, we're going to keep this uh, podcast short. First off, again, thank you for being on with me and helping uh, ask the questions tonight. And, um, you know, again, as always, uh, really appreciative. And uh, it's always good to have uh, your brain with all your experience in soccer you know, all the places you travel to all over the world, all the FIVA events you've worked. Um, let me just give you a minute and uh, tell me again about your Twitter account. Well, thanks. First of all, uh, once again, thanks for having me once again in your your podcast. I enjoy um, the time and and it's great, you know, to talk about, you know, football in many different aspects. Um, once again, my, you know, my Twitter account, is uh, Steve One T has been uh, you know providing as much uh, on this day soccer or football events, but also in other sports as well. 
Um, and you'd be surprised how many, you know, people retweet and they former players, key media from different parts of the region that, you know, bring back memories of these classic games, these classic encounters. Um, sometimes, you know, games that they don't even remember uh, were played um, and they enjoy getting the likings and the retweets. So it's, uh, I guess it's, it's a fun and educational, you know, account where I just, you know, provide as much information as possible within the region and mostly in football, but, uh, but I do cover other respective sports, um, as well. So always a pleasure to get an opportunity to put something out on Portuguese uh, football as well. And I always enjoy the occasional retweets from your respective accounts. So thanks. Yeah, no problem. And uh, again, if you are based in uh, North America and you like North America uh, soccer slash football history, I, I encourage you to give uh, Steve a, a follow. Um, and, uh, you know, Steve, uh, again, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Going to look to do it again real soon and be a little bit more consistent. Um, again, folks, uh, give us a follow. Uh, PortugueseSoccer.com is the website. PeaceSoccerCOM is the Twitter account. Uh, we also have a Facebook page and uh, give us a follow as well on our friends on Instagram at Portuguese underscore soccer underscore noticias. And, um, you know, uh, we'll have this. Uh, we, of course, are available on Anchor FM. Um, my understanding is this is also available on Google Play. Uh, this is also available in iTunes. Uh, and uh, we, of course, are coming to you the night before the start of the League Cup just to kind of give you an idea calendar wise and, you know, look to have something uh, back up uh, in the next 10 days with another podcast. Uh, Steve, thank you very much uh, for your time. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, and um, for everybody, take care of yourselves and talk to you real soon. Take care, Steve. Take care. Thanks.